January 2023. Welcome to Muse News, the BCMA's monthly museum sector news podcast. Each month, we recap some of the latest breaking news, happenings, and announcements from museums, galleries, and heritage organizations across BC and beyond. I'm Leah. And I'm Ryan, joining today on assignment from Vancouver. Join us as we explore the latest Muse News. Honored properly. Protocols put in place for Indigenous exhibit at Vancouver's Science World. BC artist Rosie Johnny Mills's first exhibition went above and beyond her wildest expectations. The Haida Cowichan artist, who always thought her first exhibition would be with her late father, created small porcelain pots in honor of those who went to residential school for an exhibition at Science World in Vancouver. I created all these little pieces with all the love I have for my dad and all of our relatives that survived, the ones that didn't, and the ones that are still at those schools, she said. The exhibition took so much from me, and I was just emotionally and mentally exhausted by the time it was done. As an intergenerational survivor, Johnny Mills was told about the unmarked graves and the residential school system by her father, and it's something she thinks about every day. It's the residual vicarious trauma, childhood trauma, and PTSD that's been handed down to me that's not something I resent, but something I do my best to approach with love, said Johnny Mills. After putting everything she had into the work, it was picked up and out of her hands. But when Elia White, a Haida Simchen content developer at Science World and fellow intergenerational survivor heard about the pieces coming and what they meant, she reached out to Johnny Mills, offering protocol and ceremony. I've worked at several powwows over the years and was exposed to a lot of artists who taught me how to work with art in an Indigenous context, said White. I was so grateful to be able to honor Rosie because she put so much work into it. You can feel it when you go see them. It's very powerful. It's very moving. Though it was not part of her job description, having only been at Science World for three months, White knew that implementing protocol was important to do because of how much Indigenous communities have lost. When anything like this happens, especially when it's related to residential schools, I'm very protective of it, said White. I'm very aware of the impact it has, and I want to make sure that it's honored properly, as it should be, because people don't really. White wanted to make sure staff at Science World were aware of how important Johnny Mills' art and the work like hers is. She talked with them about instilling protocols, ensuring everyone wasn't touching the art, and if they had to touch it, that their energy was good, an important element of working with art in Indigenous culture. Basically, if you want to host our culture, that's what you have to do, and no one questioned it, said White. Historically, not only has Indigenous art not been respected, but neither has Indigenous culture. So when Indigenous people are in these everyday positions, acts like what happened between White and Johnny Mills can continually happen and begin to slowly heal decades worth of mistreatment. Having someone who understands what my work means, understands what to do for ceremony, and having an Indigenous person in an important position at Science World was just monumental for me. Monolithic, legendary, said Johnny Mills. To have my art honorably and culturally received, reciprocated, and to actually have this meaningful connection is huge. For White, it was also a teaching moment. She was able to have open conversations with Science World about what should be done when she's not there and how they should treat Indigenous work in the future. And now, Elia is the one that puts them to bed every night and wakes them up every morning, 
and she's continuing the ceremony for their time at Science World, said Johnny Mills. The exhibition is part of Squatch Ice Artists-in-Residence program, and Johnny Mills's work is featured among several other artists. It's available to see at Science World until February 10th, 2023. Million Dollar Donation Boys Maritime Museum Move Plan Contribution from the estate of Cora Shaw will be used as an endowment to support the museum's expansion plans for decades, it says. The Maritime Museum of BC's campaign to land a spot on Victoria's Inner Harbor gained momentum Tuesday with a $1 million gift that will ensure solid income for the museum for years to come. There was such an intake of breath when we heard. It's a big signal of confidence from the community, said Museum Chair Jamie Webb of the donation, by far the largest in the museum's history. The gift comes at an ideal moment. The museum, currently housed within the footprint of the Victoria Conference Center, and the Bateman Gallery, which sits in the CPR Steamship Terminal Building on the water, have proposed the two attractions switch places. If it can be done, it would mean the museum would finally get its long-desired spot on the water. The $1 million gift would help the museum build out an exhibit in the CPR terminal space, as well as ensure income for years. We'll use it like an endowment, and that will generate tons of additional income for us, said Webb. We have a strong balance sheet already, but this is just a real shot in the arm. We have not had a deficit for many years, so the museum's in a strong financial position going forward. This was the perfect timing to put this out there and just signal to the province that we're serious about this, and we've got the wherewithal to do it. Since news broke last week of the plans to switch places, the province has not been in touch with the museum. Both the gallery and the museum are waiting to hear from the Ministry of Transportation, the CPR terminal's landlord, to see if the transition plan is workable. In a statement provided to the Times Colonist, the ministry noted that the upcoming $290 million Bellevue Terminal redevelopment project will require use of part of the CPR terminal building as a temporary facility for FRS Clipper and the U.S. Customs and Border Protection as the project is built out. Webb said the museum is so intent on landing a spot in the terminal building, it is willing to be as flexible as necessary to establish a presence there during the construction period. We've said to the minister that we really want to work within the scope of the projected Belleville project, because we know that's super important for the Clipper and for tourism, he said. We want to get a toehold in the building, and then over the next three to five years as the Belleville project completes, we could floor by floor start to expand. The ministry would only say this week that it was aware the Maritime Museum of BC is interested in moving into the steamship building and continues to assess potential opportunities for future use of the space. With the $1 million gift, the museum has re-established the J.E. Ted Brown and Cora E. Brown Shaw Fund. Webb said Cora Shaw believed in the essential importance of the region's maritime history and the vitality of the arts and culture sector in Victoria. Shaw, who died last year at the age of 96, was born in Victoria and lived here for most of her life. As an avid traveler, she served on the executive of the University Women's Club of Victoria and was a member of the UVic Retirees Association. She also volunteered at the Swan Lake Christmas Nature Sanctuary. She was predeceased by husbands Ted Brown in 1988 and George Shaw in 1997. Royal BC Museum Returning Totem to Remote First Nation A totem pole that was taken from a remote First Nation on the Central Coast and has been in the Royal BC Museum's collection for more than a century is going home. The Nuhok people near Bellacoola are celebrating the repatriation of the sacred pole and possibly other items after museum officials this week agreed to return it to their traditional territory. 
The eyes of the people are glowing, hereditary chief Snooki Altwa, who also goes by Derek Snow, said Tuesday. Everyone I see on the street is happy. Cars are honking. The poll was taken from the New Hawk homeland in South Bentonick, Taliomi, after people relocated after a smallpox epidemic around 1900. It was carved by Louis Snooki Altwa, Snow's great-grandfather, in the mid-1800s, and was initially a longhouse entrance poll and then a grave post. The museum reportedly paid $45 for the poll, which was brought south around 1912 and housed in the museum's collections. Snow said his great-grandfather's spirit is still in the totem pole and has not been able to rest. He said the pole must be brought back to free his spirit and for the next generations of the Newhoch people. Four Newhoch hereditary chiefs were promised by then-museum CEO Jack Lohman that the artifacts would be returned after they visited the museum in October of 2019 and saw the totem standing in the First People's Gallery. But there were several hurdles, said Snow. Another claim on the pole, complications removing it from the third floor of the museum, and issues around meetings with all involved because of the pandemic. To prove there were no other new Hawk items, Snukwialtwa obtained signed letters of support from all 14 hereditary chiefs of the New Hawk Nation and the New Hawk Elected Band Council. Snow said when he initiated a lawsuit in February 2022, talks on an agreement to return the poll lit a fire. That's when they thought they should give it back, he said. He was notified two weeks ago that the museum would be shipping the totem to Bellacula on February 13th and would be paying for the transportation. Snow said elected band members and chiefs will be in Victoria to see the totem loaded and to celebrate. About 100 members of the New Hawk Nation plan to attend, he said, and an online fundraising page is raising money so several nation members can attend. The New Hawk people will present Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations with a gift for looking after our totem for over 100 years, he said. The poll will be taken to the school in Bellacoola, where it will be available to the First Nation to see and appreciate. It will then be taken to the nation's traditional village on South Bentonic, Taliomi, about 50 kilometers south of Bellacoola, and placed on its original site. When the pole touches the ground again, we will feel the energy, said Snow. My grandfather in the spirit world will rest again. Snow indicated other items associated with potlatch ceremonies may be returned to the nation. He said many Newhawk people sold regalia, headdresses, and masks dating from 1855 to 1950 because the potlatch ceremonies were outlawed under threat of jail. They sold because the government put so much fear in them, said Snow. The Royal BC Museum did not respond to requests for an interview on Tuesday, but provided a statement to the Times colonist. All repatriations are different, but most are complex, said the statement. We have been working closely with Chief Snow since September 2022 to create a logistical plan that ensures the safety of the poll and the people involved at all stages. We have consulted with a team of engineers, conservationists, and other experts both within and outside the museum, and have provided Chief Snow with bi-weekly status reports to keep him apprised of the activities involved in the process. As reported, we will be implementing this plan and completing the repatriation in mid-February. In an interview this month, museum CEO Alicia Dubois said repatriation of artifacts is underway, and a crane will be used to remove some items from the First People's Gallery on the third floor, which has been closed for more than a year. A totem housed in the glass gallery on the outside mezzanine of the museum is also being returned to the New Hawk people, according to a sign on the podium where the totem once stood. The totem was a house entrance pole acquired from the New Hawk at South Bentonick by one of the museum's founding curators, Charles Newcomb, in 1913. 
New signage where the pool once stood states, Item returned home. First Nations cultural objects were often taken from villages by early explorers, collectors, scientists, and everyday settlers in a time of great duress. The impacts continue to cause harm today. It also says, Repatriation is one important step toward reconciliation as British Columbians reflect on our shared history and responsibilities. These treasures have now journeyed home to their ancestral territories to be cared for and interpreted in context by their descendant communities. The Newhawk Nation has about 1,200 members and has suffered greatly over the years, said Snow. It was nearly wiped out by smallpox at the turn of the last century, and many members were sent to residential schools in Alert Bay, Port Alberni, and even in the U.S., some never to return. This is about reconciliation, he said. The Newhawk traditional territory extends from the mouth of Bella Coola River inland, along the Bella Coola Valley, and nearby inlets and channels. Lack of public art policy jeopardizes Vernon Gallery funding. Despite being cancelled months ago, the Behind the Mask mural project is still having ramifications for the Vernon Public Art Gallery. Future funding may be in jeopardy at the gallery, says Executive Director Donna Kennedy. The Vernon Public Art Gallery is relying on funding from the Canada Council for the Art to help with expenses once it moves into a new Greater Vernon Cultural Centre, which will take shape on the downtown parking lot beside Elks Hall. But that money might not come. Quote, It's something we've strategically been working on getting, explains Kennedy. City Council pulled its endorsement of the mural project in September, but Kennedy says without it, the gallery will not meet its funding parameters in the future. A sliver of hope remains in that the city is developing a public art policy, which it did not have when the decision was made. Quote, we want to be able to apply for operational funding. And in order to do that, we have to have two successfully funded art projects, says Kennedy. Behind the mask was the second project. Quote, if this project isn't fulfilled, it certainly will jeopardize our opportunity to get that additional operational funding for the facility. The project, which is aimed at provoking discussion around mental health, created such controversy that council backtracked on approval and the $33,000 it had promised. Canada Council for the Arts has also approved $55,000 for the project, and that remains in limbo. Kennedy says that the lack of public policy on arts is one of the reasons that the project is stalled. Quote, Administration has still been planning to develop a new policy, but due to competing priorities, it has not yet accomplished this task, the city of Vernon said in an email. The lack of priority is worrisome for Kennedy. She says, and I quote, Our politicians need to be aware it's a bigger picture, and it's not just about murals right now, she says. Vancouver Museum holds an important piece of history from a wreck believed to contain millions in gold. This nearly forgotten piece of BC maritime history is now front and center with news last month that the wreck of the Pacific has been found and it likely contains millions of dollars worth of gold that was being carried on the ship from the Cassiar Gold Rush. The U.S.-based consortium that located the Pacific, Rockfish Inc., filed papers in the U.S. District Court of Seattle in November, stating that the wreck was at a depth of around 500 meters off Cape Flattery at the tip of the Oceanic Peninsula. Rockfish has been granted salvage rights and plans to recover as many of the artifacts and items as possible and use that collection as the base for a museum and hotel in Puget Sound. The development will ultimately repay the salvage costs. Rockfish founder Jeff Hummel said the wreck was remarkably well-preserved when it hit the ocean floor 
and the clay and mud rose up and fell back down on the wreck, effectively sealing it. The company is having built in Mexico a 75 by 30 meter structure that will be placed around the wreck as the base for the salvage efforts. Underwater robotic equipment will be used to move aside the clay cover and start extracting artifacts. Quote, we will find precious cargo aboard, Hummel said. At the time of sinking, there was an estimated 4,000 ounces of gold on board, now worth around $10 million, and likely in the form of a said gold bullion. The ship was reported to be carrying at least one iron and wooden lock box owned by the Wells Fargo Bank that contained gold. The extraordinary life of Chief Dan George reflected in Okanagan Museum exhibit. Chief Dan George, actor and activist, is on loan from the Museum and Archives of North Vancouver. A special exhibit celebrating the life of Tsleil-Waututh Chief Dan George has been extended at the Okanagan Heritage Museum. It has been on display since Truth and Reconciliation Day 2022, and its run has been extended until April 2nd. George was a longshoreman, actor, musician, lecturer, poet, activist, environmentalist, and First Nations leader. He was raised on the Burrard Inlet Reserve No. 3 and the son of hereditary chief George Slaholt. Chief George began his acting career later in life during the 1960s and 1970s. He appeared in many television, movie, and stage productions where he worked to promote a better understanding of First Nations peoples. The chief was nominated for an Academy Award at the age of 71 for his work alongside Dustin Hoffman in the film Little Big Man. He helped to foster renewed interest in indigenous rights with his iconic Lament for Confederation speech. In 1967, during Canada's centenary, while it focused on George, the exhibit also delves into significant events in First Nations rights movements in BC and Canada. Visitors to the exhibition will learn about other key individuals, such as Frank Calder in the Indigenous Rights Movement. Quote, the exhibit features a wide variety of inspiring activists and leaders, focusing on Chief Dan George, who is so fondly remembered, said Linda Digby, Kelowna Museum Society Executive Director. Over to you, Leah. Thanks, Ryan. And now it's time for Who's News on Muse News. This segment features your submitted staffing changes and retirements from across the province. As you may have heard, after many years of service, manager Natanya Waddell retired from the Qualicum Beach Museum in July of 2022. Lorraine Bell is now the manager and had the pleasure of recently onboarding new assistant manager Cassell Reed. Drew Lajeunesse, longtime public programmer at Museum of Surrey, has moved into the role of curator of programs, supervising and guiding the programs team at the Museum of Surrey. As a senior member of the Museum of Surrey team, Drew's role encompasses textile programming, education programming, public programming, and special events. Drew and her team are excited for 2023, looking forward to providing accessible and welcoming programming that is innovative, educational, and interactive. Replacing Drew as public programmer is Crystal Bunch, beginning with the Museum of Surrey on January 31st, and her first order of business will be helping Drew with this year's first special event, Lunar New Year, on Saturday, February 4th. Out of the Lillooet Museum comes news of big change on their board of directors in December of 2022. This includes the appointment of Johannes Bodendorfer as treasurer. Johannes, a 26-year-old who works for the Chamber of Commerce, has already made quite an impact by drafting a new budget, cleaning up old financial documents, and helping around the gallery and office spaces. Staff at the Lillooet Museum and Lillooet District Historical Society cannot wait to see what the next 12 months bring with this active new board. Our last announcement today 
Carol E. Mayer, the Museum of Anthropology at UBC's curator for the Pacific and Ceramic Collections, has retired, or as she likes to call it, been repositioned, at the end of December 2022, after 35 years of service at the museum. As always, it's been a pleasure to bring you the Muse News. I'm Leah. And I'm Ryan. We'll be back next month with your Sector News Recap. <laughs>